Welcome to Sobremesa with me, Alan McGuire. This is the English-speaking podcast that discusses everything going on in Spanish society. Remember, if you want to join in the conversation and let us know what you think about some of the topics, you can tweet on the hashtag Sobremesa. It would be great to hear from you. This week, we're going to be discussing the motion of no confidence that is due for, strangely, September. We're also going to be discussing some of the more uh, intricate ongoings within the coalition government and different relationships that are being strained by various meetings being held. And we're also going to discuss the progress of the coronavirus in Spain. I'd like to thank all of our new listeners for joining in. Please remember to share this podcast with anyone you think that might enjoy listening um, about modern Spanish society without tapas bars, flamenco and bullfighting. So last week in a session of Congress where Pedro Sanchez was Presenting the new funds from the EU, he was asking for consensus and people to work across the party divides to bring Spain out of what is has been an, a drop in GDP of 18.5% last week. So the economic situation in Spain is one of the worst in Europe, uh, also has one of the highest death rates. Um, lower than the UK, but um, there have been various numbers thrown about which I talked about last week. So Pedro Sanchez, the Prime Minister, has been asking for consensus to try and bring about um, a recovery. Um, and as Spain shuts down for August, which is normally a very quiet month in the country, a lot of shops shut for the whole month and the politicians go on holiday, uh, this is the last week before they all go on their vacations. So last week and this week have been quite key in Spanish politics. Uh, however, Sanchez's plea for unity didn't go down too well. And Santiago Abascal, the leader of far-right party Vox, has declared that he will put forward a motion of no confidence uh, in Sanchez. So this was done about two years ago by Sanchez himself to kick out Mariano Arajoy, who was the last Prime Minister of Spain. And that was the first time that a motion of no confidence had been used in Spain since its transition to democracy. Uh, well, successfully, anyway. There, ha there have been several attempts before, but two years ago was the first successful one. Now, will, will Abascal's one be successful? Uh, probably not, no. But it's more the act that is interesting, um, but is also um, using the Congress floor as as a as a microphone to the rest of Spain. Obviously, far right parties are not trying to get votes from the left. I mean, uh, they're tr they're trying to get voters that are angry. Uh, at the government for their handling of the coronavirus, which of course there are some. Now this motion isn't something out of the blue. 
it's been talked about actually since the day that Sanchez was invested into as as prime minister. Uh, Abascal has been talking about a motion of no confidence. But in the past, Vox respected the fact that the PP were the largest opposition party. Um, you know, Vox have 52 seats and the PP have 88. Uh, and if you look at current polling, the PP are second uh, in the polls against um, Vox, who seem to be struggling around the 12% mark. Um, and and I suppose this is the thing with populists is they feed off um, they feed off resentment and anger of the, of the populace. And at the moment in Spain, you know, as I said, August is quite a downtime for a lot of people. And there's been suggestions that Abascal is using this downtime to try and whip up um, what they call they're calling the is going to be the hot autumn. So he's he's used this motion uh, of no confidence to try and put the PP in an awkward position. Um, and obviously trying to gain some of their votes. Uh, could it work? Possibly. There have been, you know, last week there were attacks on, on left-wing ministers in Toledo um, and down in Cadiz. Uh, vocal attacks, but also quite visual attacks. You know, the, the actual act is one thing, but then spreading them all around the internet to create storms and make different things trend on Twitter. You know, this riles up your base, but it also gains people's attention. Uh, the PP have sort of, their leader, Pablo Casado, he's from the Aznar, so the more neoliberal, the more right-wing um, wing of the PP. It does have a quite a moderate wing as well that, that Rajoy was previously from. Um, and he's finding it difficult to find his feet, I think. When he first became leader uh, within the within the April 2019 elections, he went straight uh, for the right wing vote, trying to get the vote from Vox, talking, you know, using rhetoric around the civil war, um, and and things like this. And he he was punished for that in the in the April elections. The PP got one of their worst um, results ever. And they sort of seem to have recovered a bit. Uh, they did recover slightly in 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 the December elections, um, but mainly at the expense of Ciudadanos, who who also well in December had a terrible turnout. Um, they now have ten MPs. So uh, it's difficult balancing act for the PP. Uh, in the past, they never had any competition on their right. Um, but it looks like Vox are here to stay. Uh, just as same is going on on, on the left, really. Uh, you know, Podemos have suffered since their initial rise in 2015, 2016. That they were hitting the 20% mark when they were getting votes. Now they're struggling around the 12% mark. Um, but the difference is with them is that they are in government. So it's it's a bit difficult to try and work up um, hate towards the government when you're part of it. So I suppose Vox have it easier to try and create uh, an environment of 
of disdain towards the government. Um, and that will be that will be easier or more difficult depending on how the economic recovery goes. Uh, August is a bit of downtime. Obviously, tourism has suffered horrendously um, throughout uh, this due to the sanctions. Well, not the sanctions, but the quarantine being put put in place by the United Kingdom and various other countries around Europe. So Abascal says that he's going to be using August to negotiate with other parties, um, despite the PP not supporting this motion of no confidence at all. Actually, they were quite silent in the face of it, with people saying this was actually a motion against Casado rather than Sanchez. And if they do uh, manage to overturn Sanchez, they will have to nominate someone for president who is normally the leader of the biggest bloc in the opposition uh, but they could also there's there's been rumors that they could um, nominate someone from the Pessoe, um so, so an historical more right-wing leaning Pessoe moderate um, politician uh, so it will be interesting to see where this goes really uh, but it's obvious that since tensions between the regions, uh, more so Catalonia and Madrid, have settled down in recent or since the coronavirus, uh, Vox is looking for new ways to to position itself. Um, and with the Ciudadanos going a bit more moderate, um, they're trying to squeeze the, the PP's voters uh, and trying to get them on side. Saying that Ciudadanos have gone more moderate today, they met with uh, the government, the central government, but without the coalition's junior partner, Podemos. So Rene Montero, the Minister of Equality, uh, also the number two in, in Podemos, uh, said that Ciudadanos weren't respecting popular sovereignty by meeting with the government uh, because they refused to meet the government if Podemos were there. However, Carmen Carvalho, so she's the second most important in, she's one of the deputies in the PSOE, said that any time that a, a government minister is there, the government is represented. Now, in this meeting, they refused to say that they were discussing the next budget that's due to be passed. Spain hasn't had a financial budget passed for, well, since Rajoy was in government. Um... But they did talk about ERTES for sections should continue. So Ciudadanos were advocating that ERTES should continue uh, for sectors that are at risk, such as tourism, um, past September when they're due to end. Uh, they were also uh, advocating very, you know, very basic things by the looks of it, um, such as as access to protective equipment for health which i think the government are addressing anyway um but this comes in the face of at the weekend the catalan republican left so the erc said that they would reflect on their current arrangement with the government um as they knew this meeting was happening so you know as it stands in congress at the moment the government are a minority government. So a majority government, you need over 176. Between uh, the Pessoian and Podemos, they have 155. 
And then there's 13 others that are part of the pact to try and support the government. So that's including the PNV, which is sort of the centrist party from the Basque Country, and Mas País, which is um, an, uh, Erjón's small party that have two seats. So that in total makes 168. So that means they're still eight short um, of a majority. Now, the ERC, so the, the left-wing Republicans from Catalonia, were abstaining on a lot of things uh, so that they could they could pass whatever legislation needed to be passed. Um, because the minority government is eight short, so that means it only needs um, someone, it only needs eight, eight deputies to abstain and then it, or nine deputies to abstain, and then it can get its its uh, motions passed. So it was relay, relying on the ERC, but there's various tensions going on in Catalonia, and I think the PSOE are looking, you know, towards a backup plan uh, to try and get their budget passed. So Ciudadanos have 10 um, deputies. So if they were to abstain, then that would also help the government out. But this does come at the risk of putting tension on the pact between uh, the Pesori and Podemos. And, you know, if Podemos pull out, then the government completely falls because um, they have a, just, I think it's around uh, 30 deputies. So if they were to pull out, then um, there would be an, uh, there would be an election unless some sort of pact could be made between the PSOE and the PP, which is another thing that's been suggested several times. Um, so not doesn't seem it seemed like there was more people were more nervous around this this uh, meeting with Thirodanos. Um and it and it is obviously a signifier towards the future. Um because under um Aramadas, so Inez Aramadas is the new leader of Ferodanos. And then they have been trying to go more towards the centre, been seen as being more constructive um, and more willing to work with the government than the previous leader, which I suppose they need to do to survive, really. Um, I'm not sure how, how willing they are to work. There is a part of the PSOE, the, the what they call the like the party machinery, the more liberal part of the PSOE, that would be more comfortable in bed with Philodanos um than they would be Podemos. But um obviously Philodanos don't have the numbers. I mean what can you do with ten MPs really? Well it seems that here they can they can uh be of a help to the government. So even though they are small on numbers, um they have everything to win by trying to show that they're supportive and moderate. Um, and if, you know, if they're to get back into bed with the likes of Vox and PP, I mean, that's what damaged them back in December. Um, supporting regional governments with the PP and Vox in it, I don't think it's done much good to their liberal credentials, um, as they often sell themselves as sort of the modern liberal party. So... Uh, even though they are a small party um, and quite difficult to tell what they do actually believe in. I mean, they're obviously pro-market um, 
they're also pro-unity of Spain. So those are some elements that certain parts of the Pasoia are more comfortable with than being comfortable with, um, than they're not comfortable with, with, with Podemos. So this is one relationship to, to keep an eye out for, but obviously the members of Pasoia or the members of government of Pasoia will also be keeping a close eye on it because they don't want to upset their partners too much. Um, but then if, if Podemos were to pull out and cause the government to fall, you know, would that work in their favour as well? Um, we've seen that they've struggled at the Galician and the Basque country region elections. So, you know, they can protest as much as they want, but um, the Pasoia sort of in the bigger seat here, they've got the, the largest number of deputies in, in Congress. And they can sort of speak to who they want as they know that Podemos are weakened by their recent results and Ciudadanos um, are willing to engage with them because uh, it's sort of the only way out for them to not collapse as a party. Um, really, I think is the is the gist of it. And, you know, GDP being down 18.5%. It doesn't look great if you're the biggest party in Congress and, and the biggest um, part of the the coalition and you're you're refusing to talk to even moderate um, parties because your junior partner doesn't want you to. With the economy struggling and even not getting any support for the tourism sector, um, many are worried about the coming back of the coronavirus. Uh, Sanchez last week on Friday held a, a meeting with the Comunidades presidents and he's asked them to please start considering using the Track and Trace app that apparently has gone well um, in its in its testing. But he's also asked them to employ more, more trackers. And he's also made the health minister uh, uh, Secretary of State. So the Health Ministry, as I've said before, it's a very small ministry. It actually has less employees than the Comunidad de Madrid has for health. So that's how small the Health Ministry is. Anyway, it's been ramped up to a Secretary of State to give it more, well, it's done via Royal Decree today, and it's been to give it more oomph, more push, uh, so that it can make decisions um, and to give it more prestige when negotiating with regional offices and and internationally as well It'll be interesting to see um they apparently will give the health minister more power to make decisions which is probably the answer to what the pp were were asking for last week when they were saying that the, they needed to pass more legislation so that their health care could be centralized the pp uh, have always been for more centralization I suppose this is Pessoa's answer to that problem without taking away powers from the communidades. Regarding the coronavirus, El Pais reports that since last Friday, there have been 8,532 cases, with 968 coming up between Sunday and Monday. Aragon, Madrid and Catalonia have been hit the hardest with regional governor, governments putting curbs on nightlife. 
and other things. According to government reports, 63 people per 100,000 are getting infected. 35% of outbreaks are from family meetups and celebrations, and 20% comes from work-related environments. With over 300,000 tests being done a week, this is double the number of tests that were being done in May. Seven days prior to last Friday, 14,000 cases were diagnosed with only 10% needing hospital treatment, and the death rate remains low. Hospital admissions are on the increase, but at the peak of the virus, there was around 3,000 people in the intensive care unit. At this moment, there's around 250. To deal with this ongoing situation, the government have created a new department to coordinate between regional and central governments and communicate health policies clearer and improve transparency, which has been a bit of a problem for the health ministry and various other institutions since the beginning of the virus. They will report to the health minister. And in last minute news that I was just about, well, just popped up as I was just finishing off this podcast, former King Juan Carlos I has announced that he is leaving the country. In a letter to his son, he said that past actions uh, from his private life were coming up. Um, so he's decided to leave to make sure that this, his son can continue in his role as the king. Or that in so many words. Um, despite leaving, his lawyer has said that he will continue to be available to help public prosecutors with their investigations. Uh, at this moment, the Supreme Court is still gathering evidence to decide if he should be investigated for um, for crime, uh, alleged crimes uh, since his abdication. Uh, prior to his abdication, he was uh, unable to be prosecuted for, but afterwards he is. So this is something that will be developing throughout the week. There's already been many pro-monarchy politicians coming out in his defence and praising him for overseeing the transition to democracy. And there are also a lot of people on the other side asking when we're going to get a referendum on the Republic. And on that note, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening to Sovremesa. Remember, you can tweet on the hashtag. You can get this podcast on Apple and Spotify and on the website. Don't forget to share it with your friends that are interested in Spanish society. Thanks and have a nice week. Uh.